what is that the craziest situation you've been in as a doctor like you've had oh to my like god there's so many support someone with I tell you one, oh God, there's a billion. So once I actually fainted, I was so exhausted on a night shift right. and they, they, I was on the labor ward and they put me in a labor bed for an hour and then they got me out of bed, gave me a biscuit and then I had to perform surgery on a patient. Like, oh. because you have to like, there's no other doctors. Um, so, I've had so loads of situations. You passed out. Is it yeah. NHS? NHS yeah. Is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. For a biscuit, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 NHS has done it. I'm never using Rich teeth. Little, yeah. <laughs> Digestive. It wasn't even a rich teeth. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't branded. And then back in surgery. Yeah. That is And then like, another time. And then like... <laughs> Hey, it's Dr. Pavinder Shergal, aka The Secret Psychiatrist, and you're listening to You Think You Know podcast with Benjamin Williams, Derek Thinks, and Shy from Young Black Psych. Hello, hello. That was a bit weird, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> your balls are strong. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right here we go start again um hello hello welcome to the you think you know podcast with me benjamin williams shy from young black sakes we've got a uh we've got a guest on today dr pavinda shigil she's a very good friend of the podcast uh her accomplishments range from working on an award-winning podcast i can't do it give me the eye contact (laughs) (laughs) no let me get through this let me get through it all right so our guest today shall we clap no, it's all right. We no, good? All right, easy. Our guest today, Dr. Pavinda Shigil, a very good friend of the podcast. Her accomplishments range from working on the award-winning podcast for Mental Health Book Club. She is also an expert speaker to Parliament and BBC. She's now a working doctor within the NHS, and you may have caught her during the summer on the NHS Heroes Fighting to Save Our Lives. She's also a performing actress, both in theatre and film. Recently made her debut as a director and producer extraordinaire. Welcome, Pav. How are you doing? You okay? I'm good. Thank you for the nice introduction. No worries. No worries. one of them mad introductions. Literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> when I'm at home, I'm writing them and I'm really like, I'm bigging them up. Like, <laughs> like I'm some poetic god. Yeah. Yeah. So really like, I have like, my date of birth on it. I was researching you today. I was like, well, what can I find? You know, and then I saw the uh, the parliament thing as well. I was like, wow. Like, I, just, I know. Like, I went on you got to hear about that. That sounds quite sick to be fair. It was, it was. Imagine. So, okay, so what happened was like, oh, straight away, I, I, I oh, yeah, yeah so like uh, just over a year ago i got an invitation randomly from parliament yeah, asking me to up. come in yeah it must have, someone must have dropped my name so randomly a doctor saying can you come in and have a discussion with parliament about social media and mental health mm. so then i got invited it was so cool like you go in actually and you see everything and it was amazing like they have police there and like you get searched and it's so cool and then um yeah so you go <laughs> in and then i kept getting invited to come back and back and then basically it was talking about like the guidelines on social media because actually you can be any age and download these apps like grooming you know um cyber bullying what mm-hmm. does it do for your mental health the pros because if you have autism it can be really good if you have social difficulties and then mm-hmm. i just made friends with um chris elmore who's one of the mps who was running it and then he came and invited my podcast to record at Parliament as well. Wow. So it's been oh, really, real? yeah, so cool. Need to show, give me his number, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His address and everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Fair enough. And when was that? Mm. So that started in 2018 to last year. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And how is the, the podcast going and everything? Because I think you're our first guest who's doing a podcast yeah. on, right? 
No, no, no. No, no one will. else was so far. Is the Man Will got a podcast? Man Will. No, I don't think so. No. No, no. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, yeah so I got invited to be on this podcast. It was it's run by two service users who have mental health. Mm. And um so one has chronic fatigue, one has bipolar um and depression. And they wanted an expert speaker. So it was really random. I downloaded Twitter in 2017 because I was so late to it, and then I randomly came across it and they invited me to come on. Mm. So we have sections where they talk about books with mental health and films, and I come on as an expert speaker and we have guests. Um we've had so much material, we've won an award from the Royal College of psychiatrists and we were invited to parliament so it's been good and we get invited to like conferences like medical conferences and record with like guests so yeah it's really good i have actually listened to it um for preparation (laughs) for the uh so So i listened to you and i also listened to mark williams uh the author of daddy blues you were good see you know what you're doing like that's so funny so it's you and two service users yeah yeah and you never isn't that interesting because you never see a podcast with a doctor and the patients no no yeah is that what it is the dynamic yeah okay but they're not my patients okay yeah yeah yeah. but um (laughs) but i love that because in mental Mm. health you have to break boundaries like you can't be so rigid Mm. and we need to work with patients together as partnership Hmm? what do you mean by boundaries so like for instance um so if we take surgery right so i like to think of it like this like your management plan is either medication or you cut the or cut the patient right Mm -hmm. um you do surgery Yeah, yeah yeah mental health you can't do that so you can't just rely on formal therapy or medication like you really have to be creative with patients so like drama therapy art therapy yeah, 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 um, and yeah, yeah. writing therapy so CBT, you can't be so think. rigid as a doctor so i find if you work with patients especially in mental health as though you're equal together you're more likely to succeed to get some um, and i think we should be more like that like why is it there aren't any podcasts or why do you not make films with patients or do you know what I mean or I anything yeah, or like yeah, yeah. radio shows why do patients not also run the radio shows in the yeah. hospitals or something are you yeah. familiar with the autism rights movement no okay cool well that's a bit of a doozy <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know if you're familiar with it but basically it's like um people that are um it's neurotypical and neurodivergent right yeah those are the two terms so it's basically autism you come under the neurodivergent umbrella mm. and the autism rights movement is essentially like a group of like the problem with it i say problem is like high functioning autists right that's the phrase right which yeah, basically means individuals with high functioning autism yeah because yeah, i'm looking to the, you for like, on the spectrum yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> people are, young people i work with yeah yeah so, so you have like autistic spectrum disorder yeah and then some some young people are character or adults are characterized as more being more high functioning and yeah the so the way i understand end. it is high functioning autists are with people with autism but they still have an iq of above a certain number so yeah. they can get through life fine mm. whilst also being autistic but the problem that they basically the movement is kind of like they shouldn't be discriminated against or have any like less rights than people who are neurotypical because Mm. You didn't have the control over whether you were born neurodivergent or neurotypical. Mm-hmm. And as a result, it's basically a natural expression of the human genome. So mm. that they're normal people the same way that, and who's to say who's the right way? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does that make sense? I'm really lost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's also, no, I do it, know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well because I see, particularly yeah. in CAMS, and I'm working with them, alongside schools yeah. I find that a lot of young people who have high functioning autism are discriminated against in the sense that they won't get access to things like EHCPs or one mm. plans mm. which is an educational healthcare plan which uh, kind of al- allows the child to have extra funding extra support in school but because a child is seen to not be struggling in certain areas yeah. they get they don't get access but we see that actually a lot of young people with autism mask their 
uh, stimming behaviors, their mass traits of their autism yeah. to fit in. Yeah, because they can. So they're fine. They can, yeah, but that's, it's yeah, but it's detrimental to yeah, it's themselves weird. because yeah. often you see it come out more at home. That's what the autism rights movement is. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting mm-hmm. though. Yeah, I swear, I've like, heard of it. Been like a documentary on this. I don't know if it's recently. called that, but like, yeah. exactly that. Because I swear it was like coming up on Twitter the other day, and I literally was like reading about this as well. Like, I read about this during my undergraduate. That's how I know. About oh right, okay, oh. yeah, yeah. So on Twitter, like, I swear, because like that's what I thought you were referring to. But um, yeah, no, fair enough. Anyway, um. <laughs> Give our guests like a bit of a lowdown on yourself. Where are you from? Um, you know, how long have you been in London? And uh, also yeah. like where you went to university and school and everything. Oh, wow. You want the full history. We want the full package. So I was born on it. Number, so- <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so my grandparents are from India. My parents are born in the Midlands. My sister and I are born in West London. So I went to school in West London. I went to all girls school my whole life. So I literally. Where? Connor Hensley. No. The Godolphin and Latimer. So I tell you a fun fact. I tell you a fun fact about this school. Carrie Simmons, Boris Johnson's fiance, was my friend at school. She was in my class. No way. Um, So Gillis Baxter went to my school. Exclusive. Here it is. (laughs) Kate Beckinsale went to my school. No, she didn't. Yeah, she did. Like this is like a very. Yeah, the woman. (laughs) Who is it? She's beautiful. You know she what? Oh, oh she, she was in. She's in Underworld. Oh. She was married to Michael Sheen, the Welsh actor. And she was in that from um, Ben Affleck. What was it called? Oh, oh. yeah, the one where they go to Mars. Yeah, and, no. Yeah. <laughs> Life on Mars. I don't know. Life on Mars. Kate. Life on Mars. Oh, Life on Mars. No. Kate Beckinsale. You definitely oh, right. know her. She was like in Underworld. She's got like brown hair. I'm with you, sir. She's a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Anyways. Oh, this is gonna bug me. That name now of that film. Okay. You definitely know her. Yeah. No. No? <laughs> what? No, I, I used to have a picture of Kate Bengsel on my wall. Like This is your original? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know her? I don't know her, but um, I she got, went to my I school. Was about to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, You've I'd be there right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I went, I went there. Where is the um, school, sorry? West London? It's in Hammersmith. Hammers, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. And then I wanted to go to acting school, but when I was growing up, I mean, much has not really changed actually in this industry of creativeness, but um, there, obviously because people look at you, the colour of your skin, so there wasn't anything for British South Asian women. There was like, bend it like Beckham and that was it. So I was like... <laughs> I <didn't, laughs> that was a good film. Mate. It was a good film, um, yeah. But then I was like, I was also really shy, so I didn't know what to do. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm not going to make it. And I also like literature... And science. So I was like, okay, I'm going to study philosophy and medicine because mm. I think they're both actually quite global. And then come back when I feel more like I've had life experience. So I did that, created a charity um, at uni in Romania, which was a really good experience. Travel, lived in Peru, Africa, Nepal, um, and then came back. And then Africa's big though. Swaziland. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, it was amazing, actually. It really changed my life. And then um, two years ago, it was really my granddad died. And then I kind of, I don't know why this happens, but when a life crisis happens, you kind of reevaluate your life and where mm, you're yeah. going and your future and your past. And then I was like, acting, like that has been my love since I was little. So then I went to acting school and that's where I met Ben. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's the rest it. is history. It's funny because we weren't even in the same class, were we? we oh, um, no, we were we were introduced through people yeah. and they were like, you know, I kept hearing your name. Everyone was like, oh, you should meet this, this girl called Parv. Like you really get on well together and like you got the yeah. same like sort of like way of thinking and everything. I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. And then like when we met, it was like, 
I think we worked together like yeah. three months later or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and then we did a film together, yeah. and that aired on BBC, and now we're making a feature together. Yeah, exactly. I know. That's it. Big moves, big moves. It is big moves. <laughs> See, I don't come on here and big it up that much, but like, he does. <laughs> I'm kind of a big uh, Ben's deal. the lead in <laughs> yeah, the film, yeah, yeah, yeah. so. Cheers, 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 cheers. No, yeah. thank you. It's, I tell you what, Logbug was really good, to be fair. Like, it was such yeah, fun. You played a really interesting character interesting it was dope it was dope though. yeah yeah, yeah. I love anyone that hasn't film. watched it go check it out innit yeah. oh, can you, can people catch it? thank you you can get on YouTube like yeah. go on our it's on socials yeah. 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 we've got links yeah to be fair it was just really good fun to do it was well. just a lot of fun and the thing is it was like not serious and it was about COVID and when people think about COVID they're so like yeah, it was like it's so serious but it was just a way to look at it light heartedly and then have a laugh when COVID was like dramatic well that's yeah, it, yeah. March, it yeah. just all kicking off I mean I remember you called me and you were like you're like hey um, so there's this project and I was like yeah cool and you're like I'm writing it right now I was like thinking okay you know, maybe we'll be doing it in May or something and she's like can you get to mine in like two days? I was like, <laughs> two days? She was like, I'll send you the script tomorrow and I'll see you the next day. And, I was and like, then lockdown was like a week after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally like a couple days. In. Yeah. A couple days. So like we sped through it and to be fair, it was such a good day. It, it was really such a was. fun day. It really, really was fun. Yeah. But um, let's just go back because I found it really interesting when you said, um, I mean, when I was looking at the acting thing as well, I thought I need to go away and have a bit more life experience. I mean, obviously for yourself, you're thinking... You know, mm. as a person of colour and everything maybe I can't get into it only yeah. Ben like Beckham yeah. I felt like being in Shropshire and everything were your parents supportive of it or um, so growing up um, my parents were not supportive of it they mm. wanted me I guess one, one side it is stereotypical like Asian parents do want you to get be a dentist, doctor, <laughs> lawyer, etc. My dad's a lawyer. Yeah, um, my sister's going to become a vet, you know. Um, oh, wow, okay. So my uncle's a doctor and a dentist. So um, there was that academic... Not pressure, but academic expectancy. Expe yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I completely though. get it. Yeah, yeah. And actually, in hindsight, I'm really glad they enforced education for me because, like, it, I never thought in my wildest dreams because acting is my love. But I now, I'm a published writer. I've done research. Parliament would not have invited me if I wasn't a doctor. You mm. know, I've done philosophy. Do you know what I mean? And mm. the education I've got, I put in my scripts. So yeah, I've done yeah, yeah. countless features and TV and Jeez. plays that have in. incorporated mental health. <laughs> health and I think actually it's opened my eyes mm. um it's added to me and I think you know it is so true education is such power yeah mm, so I really sure. encourage any young women who want to go in a creative or any any field you are not going to get that time back for your education so invest in it mm. and you can always follow your dreams like it, it's not going to stop it the dream will still be there mm -hmm. um but I never regret that. Like it added so much to me. That's great, honestly. That's yeah, it's and cool you, that you say that. Yeah, I was about to say you speak so passionately. And I feel so like people take me seriously. Do you know that For now? Sure. Yeah, because yeah. they're like, okay, when I don't tell people I'm a doctor, people like judge me on Lovebug because it's just a, it's a sketch, it's a silly fun sketch, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And then when I tell them, actually, I've done philosophy and. I'm, I've, you know, I've got this degree. Yeah. Then they actually think, okay, this is someone intellectual, and people, and I think as a woman, and I say it as a woman of color. I can't explain to you how much that is helpful because people do judge you on your skin and yeah. your gender. So for me, it's so much harder, even as a doctor, as a woman, like people prefer to see a man. They don't prefer to see Asian women. So I always like, ask for women when I go to the doctors. Oh, like, obviously. <laughs> you do, like, <laughs> no, I'm, that's definitely serious. <laughs> Blonde, blue eyes. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so we got in trouble. So, yeah. <laughs> no, but then you, so you're speaking on like the benefits of like your parents, not enforcing, but, Mm. Um, 
guiding you in that kind of direction, yeah. steering you towards education and yeah. making sure that that's your priority when you're growing yeah. up. But let's say now you come across as someone that's like very strong-minded. And yeah. like, <laughs> oh God, it's already shown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like, no, confident in themselves. And but I wouldn't have got that confidence. Honestly, okay. at 17, I was so shy because I was bullied. I couldn't even look at anyone in the eye. Mm-hmm. So my education has given me that confidence. And Okay, cool. But then let's say there's someone that is not perhaps as academically gifted as you are. Yeah, I'm dyslexic. So it's not academically gifted. Mm. But anyway. Fuck okay, fine. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 but you're still point. academically gifted. Okay, so let's say... Or someone that cracks under the pressure of the parents that they're giving to them. Yeah. The parents are, prov- are pushing onto them. Sure. It's not everybody that gets this encouraged by it. Yeah. Some people, they buckle under the pressure. Yeah, And then course. that can send them down a different route. Yeah. And that's not as... Um, Helpful. As fruitful, let's say. Yeah. 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 So what do you think needs to happen for those people? Because it's nice to say, like, to see the success stories. Mm. But for every success story, there's, mm. a, there's a disaster yeah so like well i think with that question it's it's two things so one is how the parent actually brings up their child so i'm lucky my parents actually supported me and guided me to get the best my ability Mm. and that helped me thrive had they gone the other way where we just buckled heads all the time and it was a disaster and i completely get that like i know people obviously in communities that have that I mean, one, I don't know what the right question is. Yeah. I mean, if you're if it's if you're getting pushed to a point I wanted education, it was different. If I hadn't wanted that and I just wanted to go to acting school, it would have been a different exactly, story. Yeah. Mm. And I think in that situation, I don't even yeah. know what to think to because leave, only that person knows. And yeah. I, I really hope if people are going through that, they can stick to their wits and get that support they need. Yeah. But unfortunately, you do have parents like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, that don't understand you and don't want the best for you or don't understand what the best for you is. Yeah. And that is really difficult. Yeah. Do you, um, just listening to you talk there, um, do you think you've always had an appetite to learn? Because it's something we've spoken about on the podcast before where we've said the older we've got, the more we've like started not researching, but like developing our education on certain topics. You know, mm. you, you get out of school and you don't have to learn what's put in front of you. Yeah. Do you think, did you always have an appetite for learning? No, No, so um, I had really severe dyslexia. So Mm. when I was eight, um, I didn't know my alphabet. And Mm. I was told that I was going to be a cleaner. Like I wouldn't get past 14 education. This horrible teacher, I will never forget. Yeah. Um, (laughs) One day I'll go back to that primary school. (laughs) Look at me now. Um, (laughs) Give me your face. Um, Yeah, so I I hated learning. I never thought I was good enough. Like Mm. I was failing. I felt really stupid. People bullied me because they were like, this is a stupid girl. Um, I already felt different because of that. So I any sense of curiosity I would squash. Yeah. Um, and the only freedom I ever had was drama. And that's the only time I ever felt alive, which is probably why acting is my love. And then it was only really um, when I was about 12 or 13, I got diagnosed. Luckily, a really great teacher was like, this girl has dyslexia. And I was lucky I got the help then. Mm. And then suddenly, I don't know what happened, but everything clicked. And then it was like, I could read. And I can't express to you, for someone that could not read an alphabet, suddenly being able to read like Harry Potter, Mm -hmm. it was so overwhelming. And um when I was 14 like I was so overwhelmed like because I was learning so much and then I could suddenly everything clicked like I understood science math everything at the same time Mm. and it was just like this wealth of interest and curiosity and inquisitiveness that I wrote my first book which I've never published at 14 so like for me 
I don't know. I've never had that, but now it opened up something and now it's like, I can't stop. And now I want to keep learning. So like, I've always thought, do I go back one day and do a PhD in art history? Like I yeah. love to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know, you're so, we're so lucky, you know, there are so many problems. I always think this, if our biggest problem is which degree to pick, how lucky are we? Do you know what I mean? It's wow. it, we're we're that's like fact, we live in an amazing yeah, place yeah, to learn, um, and it's such a privilege. It's like so, I love it. And my biggest dream one day is to walk into a bookstore in Waterstones and see all my books on the shelf. Like yeah. that is my dream. Well, so. Um, I want to tell that teacher. Yeah, <laughs> we love shouting out teachers on this podcast. <laughs> what, what, what um you say you done philosophy and medicine? Medicine. Yeah. What to what standard? What level did you get? Um, so I did a BSc in philosophy, and okay. then I got my medical degree. And then after medical degree, actually, I don't think I would have done medicine if I knew this bit. Then you have like <laughs> another six to eight years of exams. Yeah. So I've just completed them literally Whoa. this year. I don't think I, I don't think I would have done it if I knew about that. But um, so now my <laughs> actual credentials are. MBBS, BSc, MRC, Psych. Okay. Yeah. So was it a case of like, did you do the that medicine degree as well as the philosophy degree like was it joint honours or was it kind of like so, like um, so certain degree. universities yeah. have this scheme where you can take a year out and they squash three years in one Whoa. and you do actual three years BSc. of medicine in one year no 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 sorry oh, okay. so, so sorry okay, so cool. um, usually medicine's five years yeah, exactly, yeah. but then if you pick six years they basically in one of those years so for instance you do two years of medicine for example then one year out of the rest of the four years left you can do something else you can do a BSc in something and they squish the BSc into one into year, one year. So medicine students are different wow. yeah. Yeah, they are. was, different that, was that quite hard like looking back like you know what, like, what, was, that, what was, that, was that like for you I have to say medicine was the hardest degree I don't think I did not enjoy the whole process like mm. you know when people are like oh I loved uni I hated it yeah. like because I was so like for me maybe it's my dyslexia I would come home and you would have like nine to six lectures all day it's like a full-time job not getting paid and then mm. I would stay up till 2am re-going over all the lectures like mm. it was so honestly it was the years. hardest experience those five years like five I nearly years. quit like every year yeah, it was really geez. lots of people did leave because honestly it is brutal and then they have this thing of the last 10% of your exams they get chucked out of medical school um but when I did the philosophy I did philosophy in year three mm. my god like it was so refreshing because the way you think that's probably why they do it, it was amazing yeah, yeah, yeah it was break. absolutely extraordinary and the way you think it was so lateral like mm. you, honestly I really respect anyone that does philosophy as a, philosophy is a sick topic yeah, yeah it's amazing really it's amazing yeah. and I think it's it's without realizing it it's it's kind of made me interested in mental health mm-hmm. because it has so much you'll probably understand this as well um because it's so much like hypothesis socrates aristotle mm. um so much history and actually everything if you look at art his on oh, artistry medical history it all stems from hippocrates and socrates like medicine mm. um i've forgotten the question because i've gone off on it but no i hated it no, <laughs> i, hate, I loved philosophy yeah. but i hated learning medicine sure yeah Wow, was it that's mad so I'm Sick. just gonna jump because yeah. I know you went to King's didn't you yeah um, we're just such a stalker yeah <laughs> <laughs> we talk like every day <laughs> um, I talk too much now. yeah yeah I was gonna ask um did you live at home at that time no so you went out and sort of did the halls yeah yeah did, do you think that helped like immersing yourself in that lifestyle you know what I don't think living going to uni in London mm. I didn't like it because um Looking back, I wish I did what my sister did. And she she's going to Southampton. I wish I moved out and went to a more campus kind of place. Because London, 
I don't know, you don't, everyone in medical school, there was like 400 in our year. Firstly, you don't get to bond with people in medicine. Um, and I think if I went to a campus, you would have had that sort of intimacy where uh, everyone mm. lives, they went to East London, South London, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't the same. Um, and it was quite cold. I think that was just my experience. <laughs> I found cold, it very cold. Mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, what was it like, just not the atmosphere? It was really competitive. Uh, Maybe because I lived with mostly <laughs> like medics, but like it was philosophy. <laughs> I felt outside. like it was a normal, normal thing. Like I, I didn't go out the first year of uni because mm. everyone was so competitive revising, and it was like that atmosphere yeah, of stress. That's, that's medicine, maths, medicine students. Those two, they are competitive. Maths, maths yeah. Oh, they, they, they don't want to be below number one in the class. None of them. Yeah, I, so I didn't that. mind being number like last but so, like, yeah so if you were I, just, class, I was you just happy care. to get the degree but the okay, thing is cool. you can't because you could get chucked out yeah really yeah, yeah. that's what i'm saying so it's like oh it's, yeah, yeah it just looks disgusting yeah. laura maybe as well but <laughs> yeah, and i guess it's like you can't be like let's all meet at this pub or something you know because it's like well i've got to go home here i've Bro, got to go home now so yeah. you arrive, three you people are telling you people. i gotta go with Raz. Yeah. 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 <laughs> i don't know as well i don't know if any of you went to london but a lot of people that went to london lived at home as well so you couldn't really have that yeah. enjoying atmosphere yeah. with each other um but anyway i can't re- look end of the day i still look at things positively like i got my degrees like i got what i needed um yeah. and i actually had the best experience in my first year being a doctor because i think all the pressure was off so mm. everyone would literally go out thursday night my friend oh it's so bad actually i shouldn't even be saying this i will though so he would go out to like 4am be drunk and then be in surgery on friday like no. yeah so it's true when my they God. say like you play hard and work hard yeah, yeah, yeah. um but That's the best years were after. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like, you, you can't take this away now. Yeah. Like, you know, with medicine, like, probably silly question, but like, in for some universities and like some, certain courses, like, they, they say the, the, the phrase that like, goes around in fresh as being like, you know, first year doesn't count. Would you say that oh, was no, very similar to medicine? No, no. Things, no. Yeah, it counts, bro. It counts, no, it yeah. Counts. It counts. It's yeah. like surgery, I suppose. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. What you bro, mean? you're no. talking about psychology degree. Yeah. Medicine <laughs> degree, everything. As soon as you land, the first assignment you do, yeah. that counts, bro. Yeah. Yeah. It's no time so for true. games. None. Mad. Uh, yeah. I kind of wish I knew that, though, because yeah, I entered was available. it completely not knowing. Information was available before yeah, you applied. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. It's funny, though, because most of my friends that are graduated, half of them have left. Like, one works in Vogue, another one's a magician, another one, like, <laughs> has opened saying. up some music thing. So he has a medicine degree, but he's a magician. Yeah. That's crazy. He calls himself, like, <laughs> That's crazy, yeah, man. it's funny. That's so good. There's no, but, yeah. But I think, I think this generation to be a doctor is the, honestly the worst thing. I mean, imagine, like, working... In the NHS, in a pandemic, we've had the junior doctor strikes. Literally, like two months ago, three of the doctors left. I was the only one there. Like, <laughs> it's the worst mm. experience, wow. like, I think. But yeah, I yeah. really, like, I've got what I need out of it. And mm. for me, if I hadn't become a doctor, I don't think I would even be a film director or producer. Because to be a director and producer, you, it's like you're being a doctor. Because mm. you're running a whole I, team. Yeah. And um, so I've... I've got what I need out of it. Sure. Transferable skills from five yes. year medicine. Yeah. Transferable skills. And you can fall back on it as well, which is like, I guess it's a, it's you a, know core, it's a core profession. It's a core profession. So you can always kind of the, like. That's really funny you said that. So I was going to take this mm. year off to do right. acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the only reason I stayed wasn't because of COVID. It was in January. They said, can you extend your contract for another year? And the only reason I stayed was because they, the NHS really needed help. So yeah. I said, I'll stay one more year and then I'm going. And then the pandemic hit. And I think I couldn't have financially supported myself anyway. Mm. Like if I'd left, like, um, and I think financially I couldn't support myself as an actor mm. if I didn't have this, like, um, so it is really helpful. I could take it anywhere around the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Literally you could like pick up shifts as and when different hospitals. Yeah. Can you do that? 
it's harder as a doctor you can do that but you have an appraisal every year which is a pain so you have to like prove you should still be a doctor for another year and Mm. you can't really do that if you pick up shifts randomly but you can Uh, there's ways to work around it but yeah that's crazy so i didn't even know any anything like this (laughs) yeah but like i just want to ask like you know when you said to let's say when you graduated uh, when you finally had your doctorate and everything yeah what were you all like parents saying they must have been I think they were relieved that I like finished it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think any parents just relieved when their kid just finishes like uni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mine especially. Like they were like, he's not gonna make it. (laughs) Finally, I think my mum did have that week where where she was like, "Oh hi, my name is my my daughter's a doctor." By the way, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm just getting that from Tesco. My daughter's a doctor. You know, they have that thing just for a week. (laughs) Did you introduce yourself as a doctor? No, no. When you no, fill out never. forms, do you click doctor? Right? I don't. Do you know why? Because I'm scared that someone will say one day on the tube, is there a doctor? I was going to say and that. And then I'll be like, oh, I'm going to play it all the time. It's the worst thing. Said. Do you know the funniest thing you say that? So basically, in <laughs> all the medical school, I was on a plane. No one ever said an emergency. And the day I graduated, I, we went on like a graduation holiday, like me and my friends. I was like, finally, we made it. The day you graduated? Okay, day after. Okay, cool. Traumatic. Got to sleep in that. I'm out. Do you know the funniest thing? Flight. With the people. And then we all went to the we all went to the counter and we're like, oh hey, we're doctors, can we upgrade to first class? And they were like, no. So no. and then and then there was an emergency on the plane, but all my friends were too drunk to help. Like no way. hilarious. Yeah. I would have just said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I ask, like, what is that sounds random, but like what is that the craziest situation you've been in as a doctor? Like you've had oh to like Oh my god, there's so many support someone with. I tell you one, oh God, there's a billion. So once I actually fainted, I was so exhausted on a night shift right. and they, they, I was on the labor ward and they put me in a labor bed for an hour and then they got me out of bed, gave me a biscuit and then I had to perform surgery on the patient. Like, oh. because you have to like, there's no other doctors. Um, so, I've had so loads of situations. You passed out. This is yeah. NHS. NHS yeah. is. Yeah. I was out. NHS has done it. I'm never no, Rich tea. Little, yeah. <laughs> Digestive. It wasn't even a rich tea. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't branded. And then back in surgery. Yeah. That is And then like, another time. And then like another time, um, <laughs> I finished my shift in A&E and then I admitted myself to A&E because I was that oh, unwell. No way. Like, yeah. Oh my God. The things you put yourself through is like, it's actually quite funny when that's, you look back. At funny. the time you're like dying. That, that patient must have been like, we're losing her. You're just like going down like this. That's crazy. Any so other funny. any other standout? There's always a poo story. Like yeah. any doctor Ugh. you talk I don't know. Do you have a lot of do-, do you always talk about poo? No. Oh, you haven't listened to this podcast then. Oh, okay. <laughs> I tell you, if you ever have a dinner table with doctors, they will always talk about a poo story. Like mm. no doubt. Wait, so. wait, 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 stop, stop. <laughs> dinner table. I was dinner table yeah. talking about yeah. two stories. We're like, not normal people. I understand no, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Completely believe it. But there's a boundary here. When I'm trying to eat my food, there's no real discussion around these yeah. two stories. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, no, there's so many. I don't know. There's one story. My friend, I saw the whole thing. It was amazing. So literally, uh, I don't know. I, I just <laughs> so basically, you have to like part the buttocks a lot to like do a rectal exam, like for every patient, right? It, it's like a normal like hi, how are you, butt exam. Wow. And then, like, I'm so glad the listeners can't see what she's doing with her. So, like, he was like parting parting the buttocks, and at that exact time, that Uh, patient decided, like, they had like really bad diarrhea, but that farted, (laughs) and the whole thing went straight in everywhere. This is your story. No, I was watching the whole thing with my friend, thank God. Yeah. 
So now yeah. they were like, "Who wants this one?" And, yeah. Oh, nah. But there's so many stories. <laughs> like it's amazing. Yeah. So you get paid yeah. for, I guess. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. It got to a point where you would recognize patients from their butt. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You look at it like, oh, oh it's, it's you again. Oh, right oh you're here. back. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, that's wild. That is, I just never think about these things. I just always think about the GP behind like the desk and it's like, what's wrong with you? Oh, God, I've no. Got a sore throat. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. my God. I tell you the funniest thing. <laughs> yeah. The first time I like ever saw a penis genuinely was like a patient in an emergency. And no I was way. literally like, wait, where's the foreskin? Like, I don't know. Because it was like, let me get my textbook out. How bad is that? Like, you got your textbook out. <laughs> yeah. I'll be freaking I was like, out. I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seem to look this up. Honestly, do you know that's what the doctors are doing behind the desk? They never want to admit it. They're actually going on Wikipedia and saying what are these symptoms? Like, because you can't know everything. Nah, yeah, that's true. No. I, I've, I've seen yeah. that. I've seen that. Man, the GP, man, I'm googling. <laughs> yes. Google is our best friend. One time, my brother had um, I can't even remember what it was, but he had some um issues, mental health issues. So he went to like a GP initially. Um, yeah. My mom, and my man told him to pray. I remember this. Everyone Wait, your GP it, said pray? He told my brother to pray as uh, as medicine for what he was dealing with. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's what he told him. He was a Nigerian brother, innit? So Did it work? I don't think he, he was vexed. He didn't even do it. He's like, are you, are you taking that's the piss? That's so bad. Like, I, got, I got these issues that yeah, I need help with. Did he need a prescription for that? Or was he all right? <laughs> you imagine oh. going pharmacy prayer, handing it over being like, yeah. two, two doses of prayer? Or yeah. Stat dose? Said, yeah, pray or we'll go away. Just pray. It's devils, innit? Just just pray. Oh, Jesus. wow. Yeah. What surgery was this? We stay away from that one. Sudbury, I think. There we go. Stay away from that one. Oh my gosh, that's crazy, man. I'm telling you, so what's it like for you like say, let's say you know as a doctor in your service kind of thing and like just touching on mental health for a second yeah. like when it comes to sort of communicating your needs yeah. as a practitioner like how do you like what what's it like for yourself like you know how do you go about communicating that and like do you feel like yeah. you're in a space where you can do that so before i answer it's funny i i was initially a surgeon okay so i changed from surgery to mental health and initially my communication because as a surgeon you you've got you don't have time mm. so it's very cutthroat so when i first entered mental health i didn't understand why an assessment like talking to a patient took an hour mm. and i was used to two minutes um so initially i found it really hard and i didn't have any patience because i was trained like a surgeon so it would literally for me be like right what's wrong where is it write the plan so obviously in mental health, you know that it does not work. Um, so it took me a good two years actually to actually stop, be quiet and listen mm. um, and actually get used to the whole takes hours to actually assess a patient. And it was really frustrating for me initially. Um, yeah, but now I feel I... So your question is, do I feel I'm listened to and can communicate and have that space? Yeah, essentially, like with the, with the, with the, with the sort of the supervisors, the managers you work with, like if you're like, working yeah. in that role, you know, yeah. do you feel like you're able to sort of kind of share that? So initially, no. I think the more experienced you are as a doctor, so because the way the training split up, so you're called a junior doctor mm. in the first few years, and then you're called a registrar, and then you're a consultant, essentially, the three bands. So I think when you're a junior, not really, because... Um, there's just no time to be honest like mm. you're so busy um but I think juniors now I have to say are voicing their opinion much more mm -hmm. so when I initially started as a junior doctor because I went to Cambridge you were stepped on all the time like you know you were bullied all the time you know you couldn't whistle blow it was really difficult like you people talk to you I would have nurses yelling at me really rude um, making doctors cry like it was really bad um and you didn't feel you could have a voice and then I think as 
you get older, I think also the generations change because now people mm. are coming out, you know, mm. about whistleblowing and bullying in the workplace because it does actually happen a lot. Um, I think I'm now at the stage because I am a registrar now. I don't take any crap. So like yeah. I will I will call it out. So if I see someone being rude, and I have said it against a consultant, and that is really difficult when it's your own boss. Mm. And I've actually said I'm putting a complaint against you. Like I, because I've done that, I now feel comfortable that I need to have be respected because I respect other people. So I do now voice my opinion and people do respect me and listen to it and value it. Um mm. and because I've taken on positions where I have I've stepped in almost as a consultant to lead the whole team. I have had that respect now, um, but I, I don't tolerate it anymore. I don't tolerate people not listening, mm. um, me, patient, or anyone else. So I think there's a way to say things. You know, I don't shout. Um, I am very considerate. I'm very respectful, but I do, I, I will pull it up because I've had nurses, you know, especially, I don't know if it's a gender thing or what it is, but I have noticed like women do get put down a lot more mm. and their authority. So I have pulled people up and I said, can I have your name and number? Um, and I said, to, like, we have to work with police officers and I haven't been afraid to say I want your badge number if I feel something's inappropriate. Um, but I think the more you get used to it, the easier it is. But I think in the NHS, unfortunately, because it has such a dynamic of people, you get so much of this. Do you know what I mean? You get mm. um, really inappropriate sexual comments, really inappropriate discriminatory you know, obviously patients can be very racist as well, mm. um, but I don't tolerate it. So regardless if you have mental health or not, I don't discriminate. No, so if you're, if you, racist, yeah, nah, if you, yeah, if you're racist, yeah, I'll, I'll say you can come back later. Yeah, you can, I, refuse, you can refuse to see yeah. someone like that. And yeah. I, why shouldn't we? Do you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. We shouldn't tolerate abuse just because it's mental it. health. Business. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, so I was going to, I told you earlier about the, um, so today we had a CPD session around mm. sort of being like a reflective space or what it was like, whether or not the stigma yeah. mental health practitioners. And I think as part of some of my return to work, um, meetings, I've, I've been able to communicate my needs to yes. my manager now, which has been quite good. good. We also have the employee assistance program. We can kind of speak to like, um, trained counselors and therapists sort of over oh, the phone yes. and that. Yeah. But I think when I first started, I really felt like, you know, the whole essence of like vicarious trauma where you're yeah. like sort of, you're carrying everybody, everybody else's sort of trauma throughout the whole day. Yeah. I found myself burning up very, very quickly oh, early on and not yeah. being, not feeling comfortable to communicate that to my supervisors now because I felt like it was going to mean that they would just look at me and think I wasn't cut out for this job. Yeah. Yeah. But actually you kind of realize very quickly that everybody's kind of experiencing the same thing. Mm. But I guess over time you do get bit more thick skin towards it all mm. and you do kind of I think my team is very f reflective and I think the, the CPD today really showed that and yeah. it said that we can communicate even with each other just kind of giving five ten minutes just to kind of say you yeah. know what actually I'm not coping today and like my supervisors on numerous times when, especially when I've come from a pretty difficult assessment when there's been a lot of like historical like sexual abuse lots of tra trauma going on and they've been they've been to me they've been like you know what like take an hour take some time just like do what you need to do to kind of get your, get your oh, headspace right yeah but it's hard because you know like especially when you know you've got like say back-to-back -back patients and you've had a, a hard morning and it's like you sometimes you sometimes it is a matter of just kind of like you putting take, take, take almost like mm. taking it all off putting it in a box and leaving it outside the, the therapy yeah. door and yeah. just going in and putting that patient first because to you to to yourself like to, to myself that person i'm seeing at two o'clock is just another person on my ledger mm. but for them it's that's their slot their time they're looking forward to seeing me they don't care what's happened to me before the session mm. they want all they, all they want is my time and attention then there mm. so it's, it's, it is very draining yeah. isn't it yeah. yeah i remember when i started mental health um i was physically exhausted but it was different to surgery because surgery i was physically actually tired but in mm. mental health it's it's like 
mentally and emotionally it's draining, draining. Mm. and that's even more exhausting because also I think with mental health patients, it is really traumatic, the stories you hear. And the thing is, it sticks with you. Yeah. You can't forget it. You finish at five and you're still thinking about it. Like, yeah. bro, like, did I, like, did I say the right thing yeah. then? Like, you know, like, what's the, like, is this, is this going to work? Yeah. You can yeah. just, you can go off on it. Like. Yeah. I think it's really important. It's really good your work's like that. Not every workplace in mental health is that reflective. Like mm. I've had to ask a rotation I was with for six months and say, can we have a reflective practice? Cause I have nowhere to like air this out. Mm. And the thing is, if you don't have that, I feel that people get so passive aggressive because mm. they're so exhausted um, from the projected anxiety from everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, just listening to that as someone who's, I've never really thought to go into like either of your fields. Like, Oh, you're but, so nice. You're so, <laughs> I mean that in a very like but in a complimentary way to you guys because like I, I honestly don't think I could hack it. I really don't. I think I'm quite an emotional person and I like wear my friend's baggage as well as, well as mine. I couldn't be taking on other people's and I just mm. think it's really like applaudable like, you know, 100%. that you guys can do that and also like, you know, go out on the weekend see your friends and do everything else so you're doing in your normal lives you know write scripts and do mm. films and everything come and then, record this know. podcast yeah. exactly. I'm sure you find <laughs> yeah. this podcast like therapeutic so you're 100%, 100%. yeah 100%. this was a topic of we'll talk about it after the break but yeah yeah exactly I mean yeah we'll talk about it after the break yeah. Yeah. right yeah. listener we'll see you after the break I hope you've enjoyed that first half um, and we'll be right back Um, and another one which I really I hated that module I don't understand it was like the stars and astronomy and oh, philosophy I didn't get it it was all like maths and physics it oh, was like God. really stressed me out like yeah what philosophies do you abide by or like live by oh that is an intense question we can say for the code if you prefer um Oh. We're going. Oh, we're okay, going. Go, we're going. Go. We'll talk about this later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh. quick, Aaron. We're yeah. going apparently. Yeah. I was doing a little Welcome subtle back. thing. I was trying to get like a little, you know, <laughs> I was giving Jay like, yeah, let's go, let's go. This is good. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. What? So what? Um, what? Yeah. As in, like my own, or yeah. like from other people? Okay. Now, so what do you think? Like, if you were to name a school of thought? Oh God, no. You, is no. it too deep? I wouldn't be able to because, like, I don't. I don't feel I have a set strong opinion about any kind of school. Like I appreciate all of them. I understand. But when I when I did read, I was very fond of Nietzsche, which I was shocked about. Michael Frederick Nietzsche. Yeah. yeah oh, like. you're you're full naming him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But do you okay. like him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah absolutely. I don't, what I don't, about him? What about him? I think he's so to the point. He's actually, if you take away from what he's saying, like I remember I was reading this one. I don't know the lines off by heart, but he was basically like, if there were two people, and mm. I think I'm probably elaborating. Paraphrasing. Them, actually, yeah. Yeah, I was like, yeah. paraphrasing, and there was like an apple like and there was a last apple of food like you would actually kill someone to eat like you, you when it comes to the core root of it he's at, it, people think he's quite dark but actually he looks at the human form quite realistically i think mm-hmm. um is that what you like about him as well he knows his name yeah i would think more because um i know the the ex- existential psychotherapist Irvin yalom Oh, yeah. there, there was a novel he wrote called um, When Nietzsche Wept which is really interesting I read it is it good? yeah it basically features like the psychoanalyst Dr. Breuer and like oh, Freud and like yeah. Fred- it's like kind of set in a world where like if Frederick Nietzsche met Freud and, and Dr. Breuer as oh, well it'd be like so a, cool. how it would be I would love but, to yeah. meet Freud <laughs> because, like because um, <laughs> yeah because like the Frederick <laughs> Nietzsche <laughs> is yeah. patient because yeah. he's kind of the, what he's going oh, through and then, so yeah, cool. it's, I'd recommend have it have you been to Freud's house? no not yet oh my god yeah I want to it was so it's actually really bad I admit that it's I went right because I'm so, where is like, it? 
It's I swear it's in North Road, London. Finchley, yeah. yeah. Is it? And you can go and visit and you see his actual couch. It's actually like for us, it's yeah. really cool. Like, My friend yeah. had a show there. She did a show there. You what? You did a show oh, yeah, there? She, yeah. It's your fear, his friend. Yeah, How did you do a show in his home? It was an art show, right? Wow. So, yeah. so basically he has this huge That's stone cool. and it says if you don't touch it, because I don't know, there was something spiritual about it, but I licked it. Because <laughs> I wanted it. to get all the luck. No, not the chair. Oh my I was god! Say, you died in the chair, bro. I would have loved to lick that chair. But, um, <laughs> no, it was this like stone. It was like this spiritual cultural stone there, and I was right. like, oh my god, this is amazing. Like this is Freud's like cultural stone. Yeah. You licked yeah. it. I licked it. No way. I don't regret it. No. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not just like she just licked that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not fucking cleaning it. <laughs> but he, he is so cool. I wish. I wish like he was here. Do you know what I mean? Because all of like. Psychotherapy is based. Do what I mean? He's a founder. Mm. Like, so cool. So what? You done? You done? So you're you done medicine, and now you're in mental health. Yes. So that transition. Yeah. We spoke about like, I guess some deal, but like, is it? Because my understanding of it was, you get the psychiatry, right? So what happens is, so you finish your degree, Mm. and then all doctors in the UK, you have to do two years general, and that means like a range of things, like GP obstetrics urology surgery geriatric everything mm-hmm. like a mixture for two years and then you have to pick what kind of doctor you want to be yeah. so cardiologist psychiatrist ophthalmologist etc then it's such a long process then for each time you do this there's different stages you have to go for an interview apply sometimes you have to sit exams then say you enter the training program then it's like a number of years so psychiatry it's three years then you have to sit all these exams and then it's another three years into a subspecialty of psychiatry mm-hmm. so meaning after the two years, I went into psychiatry, mm-hmm. did my three years general, and then you have to reapply and then pick general adult, forensic, um, children, um, geriatrics, like old age, um, mm. psychotherapy. Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's a really long process. I see. Okay, that makes yeah. sense to me because I had no idea. I just thought it was a medicine thing that you specialized. That's what I thought. No, honestly, yeah. when I thought, I thought you just go to uni and then you come out as a doctor and that's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't realize there's all, all these, these other processes. things to it. Okay. Yeah. Do you reckon that, that's why a lot of people sort of drop off at the end and when we do other things like the magician? Yeah. The... I think people aren't honest about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> magician, yeah. <laughs> you, honest... you didn't remember no. you know, <laughs> I love you're that. You're a I think people aren't honest. Like, um, all of my friends that are doctors, not one of them have none of them have ever said they like their job right. none of them well, and i think people are honest about it mm. and i think that's why so what's the law is it helping people or is it money or- i'm there's no money in the nhs like mm. friends friends of mine private, my no? cousin yeah but do you know what it is you feel guilty going private honestly mm. i don't know i i genuinely feel guilty like i haven't yes. gone private once yet and the like loads of my friends have gone um but I think it's because when you're born in this country, you feel yeah. indebted to the yeah. NHS. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like loyalty. Yeah. And it's really hard because like, I literally can just afford my mortgage. Do you mm. know what I mean? And um, it's not worth it. Like loads of my friends have gone to Australia because the mm. lifestyle's better. The cases aren't so stressful. They get paid for it. Like, um, But I think people need to be more honest. Like, I think you're so pushed at 17 to make a decision about a career how can you know at 17 not anyone yeah. not yeah. everyone knows you know what mm-hmm. i mean like you might know as an actor oh i want to be an actor but not everyone knows like you didn't know you want to be a psychotherapist at that age like yeah um so i think there needs to be more education actually like growing up and school like what are the different kind of career fields and what does it entail yeah i think that's something school's really lacking i don't think one of the things i've heard a lot of recently is like finding a job you may be interested <clears> in and then working backwards from it 
so like you said with a doctor like you were saying you just left you like you thought you just left university and then you're a doctor yeah no there's actually a whole load of stuff in between and i think if schools and educators were a bit more honest about it i think a lot of people would find something they are a lot happier within because they know the journey they know what it's going to take and everything um but I think that's just the way of life. I think the whole school system is a bit archaic anyway. Mm. Um, 100%. Yeah, but then that brings the question, how do you, what, what do you propose to modernise it? Yeah. To do? Well, mm. I don't know. Like, I get rid, rid of those bells to start off with. Because I heard... I, heard, oh, I love those bells! No, The bells are too much. Like, you ring the bells for the, the kids to come in. Yeah, like the actual... Like, ding, ding, ding. A school is yeah. a whistle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're in the playground, you wear whistle, and you just everyone stands still. You know what? Whistle, so you gotta come inside like sheep or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's all it's all built on the factory system from like, like conditioning. Yeah, for, and it's been basically because like fathers were expecting expected to go to work, and they were working on shifts which were governed by bells. Mm. So the way they built it in school systems was they'd have the same because a lot of people in these areas with schools with bells would end up going into factories. So How they would just, do you know that fact? It, it was like something in one of our Shropshire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> party trip. I'm actually, yeah, yeah. I'm actually Welsh, so like, you know, we're just going down the coal mines right there. <laughs> like that stuff, so. Yeah, 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 all that stuff. But yeah, I think really the whole education like system needs needs a look at, you know, mm. and people need to, also people need to not be shunned for going into what they're passionate about. Um, yes. I know when I was mm. saying like, I want to be an actor, like it was something like a lot, a lot of people, especially uh, like adults within the school, were like, oh, really? Mm. Oh, you want to do that? Yeah. No one from our school has gone and done that. Yeah. You know, they've tried, but yeah. that's why I was, they've tried. And I was like, well, cool. I'm just, I'm I shall succeed. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll make it. I'll be the difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and like some people like stokes them up and other people, it, it puts them down. Mm. But like... Um, but that happens in medicine, you know, because mm. um, when you leave medical school you're looked down upon, actually, if you're not a surgeon or you're not a medic. So if you're a GP, you're kind of looked down a bit because it's like, oh, you sold out and became a GP, right? Yeah. Psychiatrists are the, we are seen as the dumbest doctors, which is so, so fun. Yeah. So when I change from surgery and they the see themselves doctors. as the gods, kind of the hospital, is that, like, it's really funny. Mm. So basically the surgeons and the general medics, so the cardiologists, <laughs> right? The neurologists yeah, are always fighting for the top position. Yeah. So medics think surgeons are dumb because all they do is cut. And surgeons think they're idiots because they don't cut basically. Um, mm. But then when I changed from surgery to mental health, everybody looked at me, everybody, even my friends, because no, none of them, did mental health they were like why when you did all this education would you do that mm. and it's like it's like you sold out and you're they don't understand it yeah, and yeah. now because mental health is coming out more people are mm. like this is an incredible specialty actually mm. um so there's a lot of stigma still within even amongst doctors yeah, sure. against each other that's crazy that's nonsense crazy. If you that is crazy yeah. but you do, you mm. do hear like um like i know when my dad was in hospital like this time last year and it was like He's the best surgeon. And even like some of the other doctors we knew from like the sort of mm. Shropshire, sort of Newcastle Stoke area, people mm. were going, he's very good. Mm. Like he's very, very good at what he does. And he had kind of like a sense of, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> literally. And I was like, you know, he came in and like, when and I Halo. Was, you know, just before my dad like went in, like I went in as well, just make sure he's all right. And yeah. he came in and, uh, you, you call them Mister, which I wasn't oh, aware this is of. Ridi- this is rid- I have to yeah, talk about yeah, this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so when you become a doctor, you get DR, right? Yeah. But when you become a surgeon, 
you then have to go back to Mr. or Mrs. And if you call a Mr. or Mrs. doctor, they're like, I am a Mr. Yeah, like, that's Because I'm I a do. surgeon. Wow. Yeah, it's I, ridiculous. I went to this guy, I was like, <laughs> bro, the technicalities, like, who cares? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who cares? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> my dad was like, no, it's Mr. It's oh Mr. my God, never like, do that. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah, I was like, okay. And like, to be fair, the guy, he saw my dad out, so I'm not going to picture him. <laughs> I was going to say, you need like a penny in there or something after yeah, you him. He's coming over Christmas Day this year, so I'll be sitting racing. But yeah, it is crazy and it's, it's almost with any profession it's all got it's like politics and yeah um, you know people are looking down on other people yeah. i feel like it's even probably more like prevalent in them industries there where like it's it, it's interesting so it's my friend's a neurosurgeon so mm. um brain surgery whatever he thinks whatever he's actually nah, not I that. whatever <laughs> no, I that. it's not brain surgery he he actually because most of most of brain surgeon patients they die mm. and that most oh, of them shit. in therapy <laughs> Like and why are you guys laughing? Oh, <laughs> oh, so I'm not because man. of the safety. That got so dark. No, that, I, no, really I was still loving what you said. <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> and then I made eye contact with you, and you were like, "And they both have died." I was like, <laughs> "I'm still smiling." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you were saying. I you assume were saying. you don't mean from uh, the surgery. I, I assume you mean just <laughs> yeah. they just they die yeah. because of their issues. Right? Sorry, yes, yes yeah. Okay. Because the time they come no, in, it's no, like I thought it was from the surgery as well. I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, no, because if you think about it actually it's really traumatic you have someone who's bleeding out mm. open in front of you and their life quite literally is on the table it is really traumatic no, um but most of them there's such a taboo about mental health still that they won't get help and lots of doctors i know they won't get help like i have a friend he's 40 he still hasn't come out as being gay mm. like because he's so scared about being judged like wait, on wait. so many different aspects but mm. like wait, wait, wait. um he's a doctor yeah, Wait. but don't judge. So this is what I mean. Know. Yeah, he's a doctor. So you know he's gay. Well, yeah, he's told me, and it's quite obvious, to be fair. Yeah, okay. yeah. and um, but he's so scared because his family are so traditional. Mm. Um, I think they're Armenian, and they're so traditional. And he has this thing of like, also, he's got mental health issues, but he's also scared about patients knowing that he has mental health. Because I asked this question once, and I'll ask you guys. Mm. Be honest. Mm. If you were having surgery and you found out your surgeon has a diagnosis of schizophrenia, would you want them to do your surgery? Jay's uh, laughing. <laughs> I'll probably say no. Lots of people say actually it's say no. Very, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's fine. I'm, you I don't mean, have to say, but lots of people would say no. Yeah. Like initially, I'd say no, but like there is. I mean, is it's, it's, medic- it's yeah. instinct. Lots of people I, do say. I'd no. like to know, like you know, is he a good? If, is he a good surgeon? Like the one who treated my dad? Like mm. that might have just been a thing. He might. But this have been is my point. Sorry. Isn't that interesting? Because why should we have to ask those questions? Because if yeah. you didn't know, you wouldn't ask. You know, no, do no, you have no. mental health? Are your medication? Well, I guess it's just that trusting people who are putting them in that position to know whether. Yeah, and I get mm. that. So you yeah. can this is what I mean. if you have schizophrenia. That's that's the thing. You can do that. Like, well, why can't you? No, I'm joking. Let's have this, no, let's have this discussion. Why can't you? Well, then. Me, my BSc in psychology and brief understanding of schizophrenia would lead me to believe that that's not safe. This is my point. So this is exactly it, safe. People feel still to this day, if you have schizophrenia, you're aggressive, it's violent, it's unsafe, right? You're unstable. This is what I mean. The fact that we, people still think that gut instinct about that, Mm. so much has to change because a doctor can have are entitled to have their own mental health or physical health problems and still have capacity to be what to they're perform. doing yeah. just yeah. like any other person and that is a problem so so many doctors feel discriminated against to come forward mm. and why is that do you know what i mean like mm. i can ima- like i know we talk about it so for us we think about this a lot but actually 
lots of people do have that feeling. Like, you know, if we think about it on if you're on the bus in London and it's instinct, isn't it? If you see someone that you think, oh, is not very well and they're talking to themselves, people shy away and get scared, don't they? And they walk back. Mm. Um, but why do we do that? And it's because we've been raised in society to think mental health is dangerous. Mm. And that's what, and if you look at films, and this is a big thing for me, you know, Shutter Island, um, the Joker, Joker's a perfect example. Yeah, I yeah. love the film Joker, yeah. but what you're showing is mental health is dangerous. You become a criminal in the mafia. Yeah. You're a murderer. Mm. And unfortunately, all most actual mental health films show people in this light. Yeah. And that is not mental well, health. David Fincher yeah. said the other day, uh, who's a director also, he said that the Joker is one of the worst portrayals of mental health and one of the most damaging yes. that has ever been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's shocking that it's come out yeah. in this day and age. Yeah. And like, I never even, even thought about it like that. Yeah. I, I wasn't a massive fan of the Joker, but I never even thought of it of it in that way yeah um and just for him to come out and say he was like it's irresponsible i'm um, so glad he said that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. like shutter island like i love that film as well but actually you are fantasizing mental health you know w- w- do we have a single patient that is on an island you know running around <laughs> and everyone's doing that no mm. mental health is you yeah. and me on the couch you know what i mean we mm. need to normalize it sure. and we we need to also we have responsibility especially me and you ben like working in the industry creatively and you guys on a podcast creatively we also have to normalize it so when we make films like we're making a film about mental health we have to normalize what is mental health and this is actually what it is it might not be so beautiful you're on an island or you know you're taking over gotham but actually this is what it actually is and you need to raise kids knowing what that is and normalizing it we need to have lead roles as lgbt we need to have lead roles of asian women black men we need to normalize it sure absolutely Mm. yeah do you know what just on your point there like um i did drama at a level we had to do it like a big topic and we were like yeah okay we'll do like mental illness and you know everything and then we like actors oh, love we, mental and illness. we actually chose like schizophrenia <laughs> yeah. and we were all four people in the class and we were all going to play different personalities yeah. and play the individual when we came to, researching it was easy but trying to find extreme examples was really hard mm. we had to go all the way back to like 1970s 1960s further you know and then they couldn't even be too sure whether yeah. like it was actually that and everything yeah and we ended up really making something which we didn't set out to make because we actually made like made something a lot more pg you know mm. we all thought we we're gonna get this gr- oh okay i get that a star yeah 100 percent because it's gonna be <laughs> so gritty and real it wasn't it just in the end it was like we were looking at it like wow this it's just someone who's trying to get on with his life yeah mm. um so yeah just going back to your point before like you know would i have some i guess i'd want to know like where they're at with their mental illness you know what how are they suffering from it? Because there are different mm. severities. But so. why? This is my thing. Why are doctors not entitled to their confidentiality as well? For sure. Yeah, and yeah. I completely agree with what you're saying. And I get that. You want your doctor to be safe. Of course, that is your life quite literally in someone's hand. Mm-hmm. But um, this is actually why I called myself the secret psychiatrist. Because on one aspect, I thought... <laughs> as a sickness, uh, I like that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I thought, you know, we all keep our mental health a secret. And so do doctors and especially psychiatrists. So we're all the secret psychiatrists, actually, in fact. Mm. Um, but there's still so much work to be done with it. Like, and it really saddens me. Like, I'm I've now become a psychiatrist and I can see very clearly in my family, I can see very clearly someone does have schizophrenia. I can see very clearly someone has depression. And I've diagnosed you do this, don't you? You diagnose mm. everyone in the family. <laughs> but I have diagnosed, but no one has come forward. And we know that can't be the case. And especially in ethnic communities, mm. it is such a hushed topic. It's frowned upon. It's it? so frowned upon mm. because it's like, well, 
you know, you're not going to get married if you have mental health. It's still like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or that fear of being sectioned as a black man, you know, going through psychosis. Yeah. It'll literally be out of you. Yeah. Any type of. And I think, especially in this pandemic, everyone's been affected. Do you know what I mean? I've definitely like had anxiety working as a doctor in the front line. I'm sure you've had it. Like it's horrible. Um, And I think we have to have these conversations now. And so like, some celebrities, I really commend them because they don't need to do this, but they come forward. Like Michael Phelps has ADHD. Yeah. I really commend he, him yeah. for saying that. Kanye West obviously has bipolar. Mariah Carey has bipolar. Like people are coming out and like Chrissy Teigen, um, I, my heart goes out to her. Like how brave, like she lost her child mm. and she openly shared that. And people don't yeah. need to do that if you have mental health. But I really hope these steps, you know, really, especially in this pandemic, we don't know what's happening. I really hope we encourage everyone to come forward, man, woman, child. Yeah, mm. absolutely. We, we were actually, funnily enough, doing a podcast, I think it was two weeks ago, where we were talking, um, do we have a guest on? We were talking about mental, mental health. <laughs> oh, Mario, I think. It was. It was. It was. What did we talk about? We were, we were just talking about Oh, yeah. About like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that. And we were basically saying like how because we were really getting into it for about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, go and listen to that episode if you haven't. It's a really great one. Um, but we were really getting into it for about 20 minutes. And at the end, we all said, like, do you reckon this would have even happened like 10, 15, 20 yeah. years ago that four men would have all been sat in the same room talking about mental health? Mm. Um, I think it's like come back to what you said earlier about kind of, the, I, I think maybe you asked it actually, yeah. about kind of like this, this space has been very therapeutic, not only just kind of, as kind of lads being together and talking about different different topics and that but also kind of especially during the pandemic where we've kind of all been isolated in one way or another mm. having to work from home having to adjust to normality this sense of normality has been incredibly useful yeah. i think and yeah like yeah people do say routine is like the way to like, yeah. keep stable i think people yeah. don't even realize they do therapeutic activities actually of um so for instance when you're on the tube people are listening to music why do you listen to music because it's therapeutic Mm -hmm. um like getting together in a room why do you do it having a chat with friends is therapeutic so Mm -hmm. i think we just need to realize we're doing it and normalize it um but it's and i actually want to ask you guys because i asked um oh my god i've forgotten his name who's that stephen fry blooming yeah i can't believe i forgot that so i asked him this question because i was at a conference (laughs) with him yeah i did it um i did a speech big name drop there (laughs) (laughs) stephen fry (laughs) stephen fry um steve steve (laughs) (laughs) big up steve um so i asked him actually because i obviously kind of i can only as a woman guess but i asked him why do you think men do not come forward and i obviously have my answers but i want to ask you guys like why do you think men do not openly talk about mental health? My first answer comes to mind in the sense that like, because I would probably say because my father didn't model it to myself growing up, it was never when he came home from work and he was stressed out and that he took it out on us. You know, he took it out on my, oh, my <laughs> yeah, sibling, mum kind of thing. You know, it was very like, you know, very disciplinary, disciplinary household. So you would be like, why aren't the curtains closed? Belt. You know what I mean? As opposed to kind of talking, kind of showing that it was okay to talk about kind of what was going on and how you were feeling and that. <clears throat> even when he got sick, even when he lost his job, again, there was no communication as to kind of how he was feeling. It was mm. all just kind of, yeah. So I think that's, yeah, perhaps that's maybe one of the reasons why. But then I, and that's, but then I've, I was quite lucky that I grew up with sisters because I had sisters and a, a nurturing kind of mum as well to kind of make that a bit easier yeah. to talk about those things within those yeah. within those groups it's conditioning isn't it we've been told mm. that this stuff is signs yeah. of weakness 
Yes, basically. I think so. I think men are taught to be like, we're doing this film exactly actually on this, but you have to be the breadwinner. You yeah. don't cry. Like, yeah. you have yeah. to have it together as a man. But this is what boys are told from me. Uh, this is what I was told. Really? Growing up, you wow. shouldn't don't cry. Like, boys don't cry type of thing. Oh mm. my God. So, and then now I'm this age. Now people cry every say, week. Yeah. <laughs> people want to tell me, you can cry, but it's like, I've been not crying. Now you yeah. need to cry. Like, what? Now it's, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah it's just it's a sign of weakness but and do you men find as men do you weak. guys ask each other like friends do you do you ask each other like how are you doing yeah for sure i think um it's so much that's coming for me recently. personally yeah recently in the sort of last two years but mm. like even with uh, my dad recently when i was at shrewsbury for lockdown over him we were having conversations and he'd turn to me at like some point and be like he'd be like wow you're asking me this question he's like i'd never asked my dad that question and I'm like, why? And he's like, because I'm your dad. I'm like, you are, but you're also my mate. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, no, you are. And it took us like the whole of lockdown to get to that point where I'm like, you are my dad, but at the same time, we can have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because there's a whole part of my life which I want to, you know, mm-hmm. bring him into and like the podcast and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. As dad, he doesn't want to hear about that. But as someone like a friend who's supporting you, yeah, he wants to hear all about that. Yeah. But my friends, I think Shar and Derek are very good. How you doing? It's one of the first things they ask me every week. Mm. How's your week been? That's so good. You know, and I think, yeah, it's something which, you know, everyone should should do a bit more of because we know there's people out there struggling. Yeah. I'm sure you guys will see it within friends you have outside of this room. And there just needs to be a bit more responsibility for like mm. people around you. I think yeah. we're bad as society. Like I, you know, I it's look at my phone thing. sometimes and I realise yeah. I haven't spoken to someone in like a year. Yeah, it's a British thing. It's a British it thing. is a very British thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes it goes as far as the kind of thing you it almost like liking someone's picture on Instagram it suffices. The fact you kind of yes. say like, oh yeah, I'm still close to that person. I'm yeah. still, I'm still close. You know, I interact with them because yeah. I like their photos. People but are reality, prideful of yeah. the haven't yeah. spoken yeah. to them on the phone in yeah. Yeah. the longest time. So true. Yeah. yeah. Very true, actually. It's an, easy thing to, it's an easy trap to fall into as well. That false sense of, what's the word? False oh. sense of just kind of. Don't get it wrong. Security? Not security, but like kind of like a false sense of the relationship you've got with that person. Like yeah. it's, it's it's skewed because it's, or you, your relationship is very superficial and that like you really yeah. interact over social media mm. rather than it being any depth to it. Mm. Mm. I think it. it's a sense of like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it. it's like delusion, you know? It's yeah. Like, because you look at the amount of people following you or the amount of people oh, liking your post. Yeah. I see it a lot in like people who are just underneath us, like in age, like, you know, maybe like 18, 19. Are you 19. following this podcast? If not, press follow. Cheers, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's Hit it. the follow button, man. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Like, subscribe. <laughs> um, I see a lot of in like, especially around the 18, 19 mark, they're getting like 400 likes on their photos and everything. Mm. I'm like, fair enough, but I, I, I'm thinking, do you know all these people? I used to work at that pub in Shrewsbury and, people who were like 18, 19 there, they were like, you know, flat, yeah, I've got 400 likes. And I'm like thinking, yeah, but if I get 20 Bro. likes from my 20 closest mates, I'm, I'm so buzzing. happy. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah people so. get it wrong in it. They get, they confuse um, in, the engagement types. People don't really understand like yeah. that you want core engagement to be as big as possible, not that superficial engagement mm. to be as big as possible. But mm. do you know what? I think it's funny actually, because I think because we're slightly over that age bracket, we're seeing it as like, oh my God, this is a bit weird. But um, they've grown up this with this actually. So yeah. this is their normal of yeah. popularity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I imagine I that was like some viral. Uh, imagine, yeah. imagine, like, imagine you were in high school these times. and So you, stressful. Uh, I mean, you it's hard just to be in ground. real life, yeah. let alone yeah. in social yeah. media yeah. life. Yeah, if, you were, if you weren't on social media, imagine like a company it'd be long for you. Yeah, you, yeah. Like, you feel left out. Like yeah. you weren't, you weren't part of it. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's even now. I'd love to delete Facebook, but 
No, Facebook events get still. events get organized on no, there. Yeah. Facebook after go. With Facebook, Facebook after go. Yeah, everything. Honestly, <laughs> we're creating a. a don't watch this space, innit? We're, yeah. we're gonna write off Facebook. I'm yeah, telling you soon. I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Don't know. See, come on, man. Because the Facebook thing needs to Super. go. But Facebook events, like you say, it needs to stay. Yeah, so yeah, we need yeah. to take that and put it in the next app. <laughs> it's coming soon, innit? Be ready. But, yeah. That's it. But yeah, it's it's a crazy time, and I think mental health is never. I think the good thing is mental health in my lifetime has never been so like prevalent. You know? Yeah, it's never been so talked about. Yeah, um, it only get better. Hopefully, yeah. But it does take everyone to have that little bit of responsibility. What about yourself? You know, within your family or with your friends, is it a common? Or do they look at you a bit like this is your profession? Do you really want? Oh, to talk? so in my family, it's really weird. So I'm the only. So. There, we have two doctors who are my cousins in America, so obviously we don't really hang out with them because I'm in America. But so my family, in this family here, I'm the only doctor. So firstly, they have that. Um, so everyone kind of... <laughs> I don't know. Everyone kind of comes to me with their problems. To be I, can, I can see it in your eyes. There. Yeah, I can see it in your eyes. And it angers everyone. me because I just everyone. No, everyone. And um, and now because I do mental health, it's like there's an expectation that I have to always be doctor Pavin to show and calm. I can never like once I reacted something. So you know, it's your family. I'm like, what did you do that for? They're yeah. like, and someone got really offended and they're like, you're not allowed to talk to us like that. You should know better. You're a doctor, and they meant it. And I thought that's really unfair because yeah. I'm also. A person like you know you're not my patient so don't treat me like i'm your doctor this is what the problem yeah. with labels are juggling lots yeah. of different hats and that's when it gets very difficult i don't know if yeah. you find that but do they do you get that as well it's like, not a doctor friends, allowed, family or like even like housemates you can't just be yourself. because I, often i find the case where like if someone uh, if someone comes to me and tells me a problem yeah my instinct my sometimes <laughs> my, my gut instinct is to kind of offer them some advice or kind of give them some strategies exactly. and that but actually it's hard because some people don't want that people yeah. want to be listened to yeah but then it's kind of like they can't get mad at me when i give them like what they should be doing because yeah. they're, they're like you know they're falling into like a cycle of like low mood yeah. and like they're not doing what they used to be doing what yeah. they used to enjoy oh my that. god you're stressing me out already literally <laughs> but i don't know why they do this yeah. like, i need to i need also a time out like once i was i was wait, i was on a film set mm. and it was literally just my break just so i can just have five minutes to have a cup of tea someone's like oh you're you're a psychiatrist aren't you and they're like yeah and like and then they just unleashed all this onto me oh, and i was like real. oh my god like please <laughs> like oh my god you, but it's pay hard. For that. <laughs> yeah. you, you can't tell them to go away, yeah. can you? you no, you can't. Like, yeah. <laughs> Although I think that's when it gets difficult because I think this is something I'm learning to do in my own sort of like personal it was therapy, but not anymore now. But like kind of learning how to put up boundaries between yeah. people and kind of, kind of ex me. express that and say like, you know what, this is really mm. inappropriate. Like I can't, I can't be this containing yes. person for you right now yeah. because I'm going through my own stuff at the moment. Yeah. And people don't like that. People get really offended. People think like, oh, but you're a mental health professional. Like surely you should be able to help me right now. Like yeah, you should yeah. help me right in this moment right now. Like it's being like, you're not, you're not a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I am a person, my real girl. This is it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah communicating boundaries is hard yeah and sometimes i notice like even things like if i have full fat milk <gasps> you have full fat milk you should know better you're a doctor it's like oh my god you know doctors also smoke and they drink and they go out like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. they're not like god mm -hmm. um it's funny it, but that's the thing because we stereotype people all the time mm -hmm. don't yes. we like Labels. people look at me and they don't think oh, i've gone to uni do you know what i mean for mm. whatever reason they think oh you don't dress like a doctor well Sorry, I'm a doctor who wears trainers because I'd rather run to an emergency than wear heels. Like, yeah. It's funny how we heels just do stereotype people. <laughs> and I'm sure you get that as well. Like a man working in mental health. Like I'm sure you Man of colour as well. It's very, yeah, so it's very, and especially because I, I work where I work in Essex, it's, it's a predominantly white area. Oh. I think I'm one of the, I'm one of three 
you know clinicians of color in yeah. the service kind of oh thing. So my it's very gosh. so yeah so imagine making resources for bme children and young people <laughs> in a completely white service well, you're sorting like, that oh. you're sorting that out isn't it yeah you don't do yeah, it yeah. come on man mark a gap pre-orders come on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah gosh. yeah do you want to tell pop a little bit about that yeah sure so uh, me and my partner uh, were co-founders of Young Black Psych. I mentioned this too earlier. Yes. In um, so yes, they were kind of designing sort of ethnocentric uh, resources for children and young people, oh, wow. which focus mainly on psychoeducation or mental health, yeah. coping strategies in, that, in a digestible format. So like we've got these coping cards, these A to Z coping really strategy cool. cards. Yeah, so they're coming out in a couple of weeks' time. The pre-orders are coming out on Friday. Check out the link. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this um, one dropped on... If you have them, we can put it in our film. If you have them, give it to Ben and we can put it in our film. Get them to Parliament, bro. We need to put them into Parliament. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah, we got them coming out soon. Yeah. So it was quite good because we started as an idea. Obviously, Young Black Tech started as an idea in a notebook. It's really needed. Yeah. Now we kind of went through Kickstarter, raised the funds, got it all done. Did you South Asian to it. It's coming out. So the funds were released to us yesterday. We got the email, but they're not in the account yet. So we're looking for. They moved along with your money. Yeah, I know it's long. <laughs> and they took bear. They took no, they didn't, didn't take bear, but they took more than me. Better. I wanted to do it. Yeah. What's the percentage? It was seven, supposed to be 5%, but it was like, seven, yeah, they took like seven because that like, yeah. processing fees and whatnot. But it was calm because we still have enough to kind of make the cards and that, and obviously, like, do quite a bit. The shop is like almost done as well, which is yeah. quite nice to so see. probably are by the time this drops, maybe. maybe. It'll be on, out, like, yeah. It'll be, it'll yeah. be out, yeah. We've reached out to a couple of sort of like YouTube families of colour as well who obviously have young children yeah. mm. because the idea is they're going to sort of get that's influencer marketing right? yeah they're going to they're get packs they're going to be able to sort of review them as well try yeah. and reach out to a couple of like um, writers editors as yeah, well yeah, hopefully yeah. get the message out there as well get some reviews done on them as well that's it man that's quite really nice. good well done mm. but yeah but it's mad because like obviously growing up like when I was growing up there was nothing like this there was no if I struggled with my anxiety from a very young age and I feel like if I, I told you from the podcast like sort of um, exam jitters I struggled anyone who turned anyone in an exam who next to me turned the page I'd be like freaking oh, out wow so to be to be taught <laughs> so why to does be, that make you laugh yeah, so to be taught, <laughs> you mean a great mental <laughs> so to be taught coping strategies at a young age with resources that looked like me on paper yes. would have been fantastic so yeah. how many kids in that who also struggle with exams yes. with their anxiety who can't manage yeah. how beneficial would that be in yeah. their services even children's books I don't get this none of them have like kids that like, look like us mm. and also none of them are like properly mental health books like they're all like what is this like I ate this carrot and this like talk about actual stuff like why do we not have like carrots? But also like kids that have like divorced parents it doesn't have to be a family of four yeah you know what I mean we need to like maybe adopt it I know maybe yeah I know exactly dads. What you're at, yeah. Yeah. yeah and another thing I really that's really cool but it makes me also think like I don't know about it must be also in your culture but in my culture there are no stories out there like two South Asian women or mm. like, do you know what I mean like these stories aren't normalised it's so like fun- do you, I think it's excellent sorry do you think there's enough I mean it probably is probably a dumb question but how you tackle it is probably what I'm asking like enough bandwidth and content obviously there's hundreds and hundreds of TV channels and stuff and like publications magazines books whatever but like to accommodate for because the way I'm envision, the way you speak is I feel like you're envisioning a world of society where it's maximum diversity everything is covered yeah you got gay couples you got when i say gay you got men men women women yeah you've got people that are transgender people that are i got a perfect world i love it yeah, yeah. basically mm-hmm. like you've got everything for everybody yes but that's, that's what i'm saying do you think there's an you can accommodate all of that why can't you accommodate it? i'm asking how would you do it then? 
Right. So this is an excellent question. So this is what I've been doing all year, mm. right? So last year, um, so I came out of um, acting school like with Ben and I came into the industry and there were no, firstly, no lead roles for women, mm. no lead roles for co- women of colour, thirdly South Asian women, right? Because they see me as brown, South Asian, end of the day. Um, so I was really annoyed about that. So I said, right, I'm a writer, so I'm going to change this. If the industry is not going to change, I'll change it how I want it. So I wrote a play and it was an all-female-led cast it was about NHS. It was about mental health. It was a comedy. It was gritty. And it, those parts would have been given to men, but I gave it to women, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So had me, female director, producer, writer, lead cop, all women, yeah. right? Then this year, I was like, I want to get it on the film. <coughs> so my first short film, oh, actually, it was with Ben. Yeah. So that, that film, even that broke stigma <laughs> because it was an Indian girl yeah, with a yeah, white yeah. guy, okay? Mm-hmm. And my family and lots of families, ethnic communities are still very like yeah. interracial, whatever. It's a bit so a that mess, broke yeah. it. And it was a girl that had a one night stand. My God, you'd be like dead in my family if that happened, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was one I thing. Know. Then my second film, all women of color. We had a mixed race girl. We had a Pakistani girl and me, okay? All women, LGBT storyline, mental health storyline. You you think about it in a horror Right, and we spoke about a diagnosis that people don't know about mental health. So it was educating without realizing in a fun cinematic platform. My feature film, all of color, two black guys, two South Asians, female director, writer, producer, about mental health, interracial. Like, when do you see a black man and an Indian woman in marriage on screen? You don't. Mm-hmm. But you look out your window, you know, in Brixton or wherever, you see it all the time. I know so we normalized it. So, and then on that film, not only did we talk about it was a mental health thriller. Right, because all thrillers are mental health, but it was also the victim was a guy and the perpetrator was a woman. So I wanted to change that as well and break that stigma. Mm. And then this film that I'm doing next with Ben, which is my next feature, again, interracial relationship, man, Indian woman, white guy, they have a marriage, um, have a baby, and it's about men suffering postnatal depression because when people have pregnancy mm. you focus on the mum yeah. mm. you don't look at the dad yeah. so that's focusing on men and actually men can get depressed as well just yeah, like women yeah. so I really want to break that and I want to give lead roles to people of colour I want a diverse cast and crew my feature film had like 60% crew was all of colour like I want women directors why are these roles not given I want people about mental health LGBT um, whatever I don't care if you have a disability I don't care mm-hmm. if you're right for the role do it yeah. so that is my big thing but the thing is it's not going to change if we do not change it and the thing is the people already established they're not going to change it because they're happy you know they've made it so i think the filmmakers and the creatives coming into the industry we've got to be the change yeah and this is it it will happen what tends to happen as far as i'm can see and i'm aware is that you hit um ceilings because Mm. for example let's say um you've got a cast that's majority non-white mm. um, people of color, it's not going to hit the mainstream as as much as a film that has predominantly white cast just yeah. because of the demographic breakup of the UK. Yeah. So it's like you are not not naturally, but like you're just inhibiting yourselves from reaching X height. You're not inhibiting because you can still reach those heights. Obviously, mm. look at things like Top Boy, for example. That that's just yeah. done madness. Yeah. But this is what I'm saying. Like, is is it? It's going to be, it's obviously a difficult thing. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Yeah. And I understand what you're saying in the sense that people of color, women, people that are LGBT, disabled, whatever, need to be the driving force behind it. Yeah. But if there's no, like, once you get to a certain stage, you need to then tip it. Yeah. And to tip it, you need the backing of yeah. the majority. But you know, things are changing. Yeah. You know, because what's happened this year with Black Lives Matter, 
the change is happening. I do think so as well. I do agree. Yeah. But, but why was Black Black Panther such a big deal? Because it was the first cast all black. Yeah. And it's mm. the fact that why is it taken now to for that to happen? Yeah. And that shouldn't be a conversation. It should be everywhere anywhere. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it's a case of like combining these big studios. Yeah. So these, they've got to do it, but they're not going to notice it unless we echo yeah, yeah, yeah. the sound for change for yeah, it. I understand. That's, yeah. Good it's not easy, no, but it's, that, you've mm, got to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think like that's what I'm trying to do as well. I'm not gonna lie. John Boega, for example. Yeah. Like, um, he's someone who really like pulls people up with him. Yeah. Which I've noticed. Like he's someone who's sort of broken that ceiling, as you were saying. And the, rather than get there and be like, right, I've made it, he's yeah. going, right, who is ready to come up with yeah. me. Yeah, and that's a rare quality. It really is, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, he said himself, it's like, you know, <clears throat> costume roles, you know, yeah. big roles, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's even like alluded to it, really minimising his role in Star Wars because he was, you know, really so pushing. Cool, yeah. mm. But like, yeah, I mean... It's every industry as well, like most industries. Cause but I think now they can't get away with it. Yeah. They have to answer to it now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Sure. and I feel like, because the industry that I work in, again, is like predominantly white. And mm. that's kind of like... What industry do you work in? I work in the marketing industry. Mm. Um, and I'm in all... Well, any meeting that I'm in for the last... Like, I've, I started in January. Yeah. I don't think... I haven't seen one black person. Yeah. I haven't seen one Indian person. I work with... Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, so I won't say it, but I'll tell you after. But, um, but yeah, no... There's all white people. Literally. Is this Shrewsbury? <laughs> but it's not it's not like i don't it's if the company is white people then obviously that's gonna happen my thing is where are the companies that are not that have some people call it in their high ranks they do they they must exist somewhere Mm why is why we not work with them but this is even like in the nhs okay for you do you find most of your Actually, it's different where you work. Most of your supervisors are probably women, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I mean, now, funnily enough, now that I've changed pathways, yeah. I was part of the new development, neurodevelopmental pathway working yeah. with, with ADHD and autism. But now yeah. I'm working just mainly mood and anxiety. Yeah. But funnily enough, my direct supervisor is now a band server and he's actually a black male, yeah, which great. is fan- fantastic. Yeah. But he's the only other black male in the service. Yeah. So part of me was kind of like, when that first happened, I was like, have they thought move him because he's the only other person of colour here? Yeah. Or is it just kind of the, what it's kind of just fallen yeah. into? Mm. So the reason I ask is because, so most of the consultants I see are men. Mm. So most of the women go into like GP mm. or um, you don't get many female surgeons either. Um, so I think it is from the top. You have to change it from the top, but it's not going to change unless people make yeah. the fuss at the bottom. Uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Is it, so, is it a sense of like, it's going to take time because unfortunately now there's only a few people reaching these pinnacles who are making some noise about it. Mm. And then I think social media must have helped enormously. Social media is great. I think because it's bringing people together. Like, you know, like let's just say, so I watched, um, I'm not sure if you guys watch it. Big Mouth on. I love that. Show. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I just finished the latest season. Have you? Yeah. yeah. So I'm watching it now. And um, so Missy's one of the characters in it, and she um, is a mixed race girl, and she's basically voiced by a 40 um, year old white woman. What? She but was. She, she was. was. Yeah. yeah. yeah it does they make, and it's like the Simpsons thing all over again. This is what I mean. Yeah. But what yeah. they do is they make a joke about it, like oh. in oh, yeah, the latest on. season, yeah. and then she's being replaced. But they're yeah. like, they kind of make a joke and go. Yeah, this was really stupid of us. Yeah, and now we're moving to one side. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, it's, it's, it's so like 
in hindsight, they say it's stupid. Like that's not good enough. Like let's be real. We're also to blame. I this is another thing. As like, if we, say we watch these films as well, do you know what I mean? We read these books. We actually pay for these channels to watch it, so we don't even help the situation. Yeah. Um, which is a shame because we're quite lazy as a society as well. Sometimes, like we just yeah. accept and just carry on with it. Mm-hmm. But it's like you know, there's this. Um, is it in Marvel? They've now got a new South Asian female. Um, what is it, Miss Miss Marvel, Mrs. Marvel, or whatever? She's yeah, like the yeah, first yeah, South yeah. Asian superhero, and I think that's great. But that's the, such a shame because they're going to say, "Well, we've ticked that now, yeah, so, so now we can't have on. any other South Asian because it'll be like, mm. oh, maybe she's related." But it's like if you look at all the superheroes, <laughs> they're all white apart from like one or two. Mm-hmm. It's just really, and why do we not have like a disabled superhero or like? A gay superhero. What about Professor X? He's in that wheelchair. Yeah. In that wheelchair, yeah. Well, that doesn't count. You know what I want to see? You know what, in my lifetime, you know what I want to see? A black Spider-Man. Oh! oh cool. Miles Morales cool. is going, bro. Shout out Logic. Oh, yeah, cool. well, yeah Logic. <laughs> that'd be cool. It's going to happen, 100%. Yeah. Um, it's too big. The game's too big now. The Into the Spider-Verse is too big. Miles Morales is coming. I'm just disappointed it's not going to be Charles Gambino, Donald Glover. Like, honestly. I love that. that would have, he really wanted yeah. it. He yeah. really wanted it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that would have been good. He's awesome. But yeah, I mean, um, that might be a good place to stop. Bye. Thank you so much for coming in. <laughs> no, thanks um, for Honestly, I've me. had so much fun with this one. I could have yeah. talked to you guys for like forever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no. Stop it. We'll talk after. We'll talk after. We'll yeah. talk after. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, really enjoyed it. And of course, I've got so much out of it. You lads as well. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Very much appreciate you, you coming yeah. on. We'll definitely have you on again soon. So yeah, and we'll have to speak all about more to do with the acting and, uh, you know, directing the projects coming up and everything like that but thanks guys once again thank you very much I've been Benjamin Williams Derek Finks and Shai from Young Black Psych and you've been listening to the You Think You Know podcast in a bit